You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. simply want deliverance from the negative circumstances of life, but their intent is not not to submit to the Lord. Their desire is not toward holiness and living according to the truth of God's Word. They just want out of the negativity that their sin and their foolishness has brought about. You want to see that worked out in life? You just read the book of Judges. In today's message, Pastor Danny will share with you about the deliverance and rest that comes with placing your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Without Christ, it takes every ounce of human effort to combat sin, and it's still not enough. When you choose to enter into a relationship with Jesus, He wipes away every sin. You don't have to strive anymore. Christ's imputed righteousness is given to you. You're made into a new creation, washed white as snow in the eyes of the Lord. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel chapter 9 as he begins his message, One Powerful Prayer. Open it to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, it is called the Babylonian captivity. Israel, uh, because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord, uh, they have gone into captivity in Babylon. What happens is Babylon comes in and, and gains victory over Israel, and they deport some of the Israelites into the land of Babylon, and they import Babylonians into Israel, and They desecrate the sanctuary. Now there's not the worship of the true God, the God of Israel, but worship of these false gods. And lives have been devastated. I mean, everything is just ruined. And Daniel is one of those few that is committed to the Lord, and God uses him in the land of Babylon. And he is there in Babylon during the whole Babylonian captivity, uh, 70 years. The 70 years is interesting in light of this chapter, chapter 9. Notice with me, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, so now a new king in Babylon, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Pause there for just a minute. Daniel is reading his Bible. He's having his devotional time with the Lord. And he's reading the book of Jeremiah. If you want to know the specific place he was reading, it would be our Jeremiah chapter 25. 
verses 11 and 12. Now, they didn't have chapters and verses then. We did that just to help us find things easier. But it's Jeremiah 25, 11, and 12. And Daniel's reading that section, and he realizes that the Babylonian captivity was going to last 70 years. What is fascinating is when you do a little historical research, the Babylonian captivity started in 605 B.C., the time of Darius taking over the Babylonian kingdom and the first year of his reign, 538 B.C., 605 B.C. to 538 B.C. is 67 years. And Daniel all of a sudden puts the pieces together, realizes, wow, we only got three more years. And then God is going to restore. But instead of throwing a party, instead of jumping up and going, now praise the Lord, it's almost over. Here's what Daniel does, verse 3. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. Instead of jumping up and down like it's almost over, Daniel goes to prayer. And I'm talking serious prayer. In fasting, he fasts. And in sackcloth and ashes, sackcloth and ashes was something that you did, uh, and, and it was a sign of deep mourning. And it was mourning especially because of sin. So instead of throwing a party, Daniel goes to prayer. And thank God we have Daniel's prayer recorded for us. That means God wants us to learn from his prayer. Verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and have rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. God had sent prophets to warn them and to try to get them to repent and turn so that, well, the disaster maybe would have been different. Lord, you are righteous. But this day we're covered with shame. The men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Oh, Lord, we and our kings, our princes, our fathers are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against him. We've not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we've sinned against you. You fulfill the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. He's saying it was awful. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we've not sought 
the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring this disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We've done wrong. Are you catching the main theme in this prayer? O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. You could put that another way. We've lost our testimony. Verse 17, now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. Notice what he says. For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Because God's name is being blasphemed because of their failure. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we're righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Interesting, isn't it? Instead of throwing a party, Daniel goes to prayer. But even though he goes to prayer here, The prayer, he is looking forward to God restoring, restoring. I thought about the restoration. What does restoration look like? Well, I I thought of four things. One, a dispersed people reunited, reunited. Two, proper worship of the one true God restored. Right now, uh, in Israel, the one true God is not being worshipped. Three, establishment of the truth of the scriptures as the foundation and the guide for life. And number four, and this is a biggie, freedom from enemy bondage. Freedom. So dispersed people reunited, relationships reunited, restored, proper worship uh, restored, establishment of the truth of the scriptures as the foundation for life and the guide for life, and freedom from enemy bondage. Look, that'll preach. I occasionally come up with questions in my study. Today is no different. Here's my question. If Daniel knew the captivity was about to end and restoration was promised, why does he pray such a prayer of confession and petition? I think it's a a valid question. I think it's a needed question to ask. Why does he go to such deep, serious prayer and confession with three years left in the captivity? Why didn't he just go, hey, it's almost over now. God's going to restore. Here's what I put in my notes. Listen. If the people's hearts are not changed, and he intimates that right in the middle of the prayer, despite the disaster, he's making a general statement, we have not sought your favor. 
If the people's hearts are not changed, they will end up in bondage again. I added, some people simply want deliverance from the negative circumstances of life, but their intent is not, not to submit to the Lord. Their desire is not toward holiness and living according to the truth of God's word. They just want out of the negativity that their sin and their foolishness has brought about. You want to see that worked out in life? You just read the book of Judges. The book of Judges is the people of Israel time and time again experiencing what some have called foxhole Christianity. They get in trouble. They go away from God. The end result is uh, lives are ruined. Lives are disastrous. It doesn't, never ends up like you think. Not in the long run. Never ends up. Always ends up, always ends up with you not getting what you're really looking for. And so they realize it. They call out to God, oh, God, help us. And what does God do? Because he's merciful, because he's gracious, he reaches down, he raises up a judge, and he delivers them from the enemy. You read the book of Judges. And as soon as he delivers them, it says, but they went right back to the old lifestyle, went right back to the old ways. And so they ended up right back in enemy bondage. And what happens? They end up crying, oh, God, we're sorry, forgive us, you know. What does he do? Because he's merciful and he's gracious, he raises up another judge and he delivers them again. That's the book of Judges. It's just one after another, after another, after another. It's foxhole Christianity. The writer of the Proverbs talked about it. Here's what he said, and he puts it in a very graphic way. It's easy to understand as a dog returns to his own vomit. So a fool repeats his folly. It's the heart of man. It's the nature of man. It takes a real willingness and a real change of heart to not only get on the right path, but to stay on it. Here's the intention. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, and he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So he had experienced his own captivity. He had experienced his own disastrous results of walking away from truth and, and the way of the Lord. And, and, and for him, for him, what God intended, that's what happened. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now, now I obey your word. His lifestyle was changed because his heart was changed. The woodshed did its job. But so many times, you, you know, Proverbs also talks about a fool. You can grind them with a mortar and they still end up living like a fool. See, the key is for the heart to be changed, the heart to be changed. Daniel includes himself in his request for a need of forgiveness from God. Isn't that interesting? The personal pronouns are throughout the prayer. We, 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 we. And yet, I discussed this with my wife because I wanted to make sure when I taught, I taught 
correctly. And so I asked Wendy the other day as I began studying for the message, do we know anything about Daniel's life prior to the captivity? And we really don't. We really don't know. But thanks to my wife and her insight into the word, and as we discussed it together, when you look at the word and even the book of Daniel, You have to believe, before the captivity, Daniel was already committed to the Lord. When he shows up in Babylon as a young man, and he's there with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's who we know them as, and the first thing they're tempted with is to go away from the kosher diet, which they would have been committed to if they're good Jews, if they're living for the Lord under the Mosaic law, they would have had a kosher diet. And the first thing they're tempted with is to go away from the kosher diet, and they refuse. And God honors their commitment to stay with the kosher diet. And so right away, as a young man, when he ends up in Babylon, you see that level of commitment that must have been there prior to the captivity. And here's Daniel's heart, and here's why he includes himself and his request for and his need of forgiveness from God, because his heart is humble and his heart is contrite, contrite, contrite. Now, what does that mean? Psalm 51, 17, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Let me give you a simple definition, and you'll understand what the word contrition really means. Contrite, the synonym for contrite is repentant. A contrite heart is a repentant heart. So, Somebody can be sorrowful and even shed tears, but they might not be repentant. You find examples of that in the scripture. Balaam, this figure in the Old Testament, he confessed his sin, but he never was contrite. The Old Testament king Saul confessed his sin, but he never was contrite. Judas confessed his remorse over what he did in betraying Jesus, but he never was contrite because Contrition is synonymous with repentance. What it means is you actually have the kind of change of heart that changes your life. Your behavior is changed because your heart is contrite. And Daniel has a humble and contrite heart. And that's the thing he maintained. It's a thing he, he, he developed, and he, he made sure he stayed contrite, and he stayed humble. And listen, you want a prayer to be powerful, and this is a powerful prayer. It comes from a heart that is humble and contrite. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That's another psalm. The Lord would not have listened. Why? Because your heart is not changed. Daniel acknowledges And though Daniel was likely committed to the Lord before the captivity, he nevertheless realized the sinfulness of his own heart. Very important. That's the whole point of Jesus talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector, and they're there before the temple, and the Pharisee stands up and he prays, and he says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men or like this tax collector. And the tax collector stood afar off, didn't feel like he could come close to the altar, and he wouldn't even look up to heaven. 
But he bowed, and he beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus' point in talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector was just said this. The Pharisee's problem was he couldn't see the sinfulness of his own heart because he's comparing himself with this guy here. And even though we may not have committed the exact sin somebody else did, our heart is still sinful. Listen, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Daniel understood that. Daniel knew that in his heart. And even though he has this commitment level even prior to the, the captivity, going into the captivity, he maintained that humble and contrite heart. He knew the sinfulness of his own heart. You see that in men like the Apostle Paul. You find that as Paul got older in the Lord and even more mature as a Christian, he saw his sin more so as he got closer to the Lord. Same thing with Isaiah. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Very important we don't miss this. And so Daniel acknowledges the undeserved nature of his request. That's what he said, verse 18. Last part of verse 18. We don't make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. We don't deserve anything. And he declares. And he understands that Israel's fate is 100% her own fault. Some people don't get that. Proverbs talks about this. A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart gets rages against the Lord. Some people get mad at God. Some people get mad at society. Some people blame their mom or their dad or their circumstances. Now, I want to pause here for just a minute because I want us to get this. You need to understand this. This is our culture. This is where American culture has come, and it's where we're moving deeper into You went to be with the Lord last week, and I don't know if his name means anything to you, Jay Adams. Jay Adams in his day was a Christian psychologist, and I emphasize Christian psychologist because some people are Christians and psychologists, but they're not Christian psychologists because they don't use the Word of God as the basis for their psychology. Jay Adams talks about in this book called Competent to Counsel how early on as a seminary student and then as a young pastor, he struggled with counseling people. Then he was influenced by a secular guy named Maurer who developed this method of counseling that was more confrontational. And so Jay Adams took the Bible and became more confrontational with his counselees. He said, I could not help but notice that the more directive I became simply telling counselees what God required of them, the more people were helped. Spelling out and getting commitments to biblical patterns of behavior after an acknowledgement of and repentance for sin seemed to bring relief and results. He says, in counseling sessions, we discovered with astonishing consistency that the main problems people were having were of their own making. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Daniel on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. If you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. You can find out more on our website. Once more, that was ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Daniel right here on The Living Word.